This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check out the Rope Trainer today. That's ropetrainer.com. And as always, I'd like to take a second to thank Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, and, of course, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz for believing in our show to get the word out about the Rope Trainer. Um, I've said it once, say it again. If John Smoltz is going to take a, a minute out of his Hall of Fame speech to address the arm problem that we have in this country, uh, I think maybe you should take at least a minute of your time and look into it as well and make sure you're doing all you can to ensure the safety of your young players or older players. doesn't really matter, and that's theropetrainer.com. Well, um, going to have a, an interesting show today. Uh, I, I found myself doing these shows lately a little bit revolved around um, things that I see on Twitter. I'm using social media more and more to engage with listeners and, and fans and things like that. And I'm finding that the topics kind of come from there. And I think they should sometimes because it's really, you know, what are people talking about? And obviously, when you have a lot of followers, you can almost apply something that's going on with something that you're actually seeing yourself in your own personal life. I work with numerous kids, um, you know, helping them with hitting uh, and things like that. And I'm going to tell you that um, my biggest pet peeve is something I used to do, <laughs> to be quite frank. So um, I, I was a guy that when I first started doing all this um, and knew just enough to be really, really dangerous. I say now I know enough just to be dangerous, but, man, back then it was really, really dangerous. Uh, you know, I took the time to learn a lot, and then, you know, you add in what you know or did, right? And I think like most young coaches, I think you approach it that way. So I, I look back uh, at when I started this many years ago, and I can remember being in a cage with a bunch of young kids, and I mean young kids, and basically lining them up, two cages back-to-back, -back, five kids in this cage, five kids in this cage, and I mean it was Robot City. Now, the truth of the matter is I understand all that, and it makes sense to me when they're young and you're just trying to teach them basic movements. But it went way beyond that, if I'm being honest. I mean, it wasn't just, hey, getting a good athletic stance. This is some basic movements. I mean, we were literally building a robotic swing, if that makes sense. And over time, as I've gotten, I, I hope, and I, and I believe, much better at this, I've realized over time that, you know, we used to say to, to people, well, you know, everybody stands a little different, everybody does this, but, you know, but we do this too. And it's like I found myself over time, and again, I'm using myself as the only example here. I'm not going to talk about anybody else but myself. I found over time that I, it, it seemed like clockwork that I would be working with kids and talking about something. And, and in, I mean, and on cue, I would see something of somebody doing the exact opposite of what I'm talking to a kid about and having a lot of success with it. And somebody that was much smarter than me being able to explain the why, if that makes sense. So over time, as I developed into a, in what I believe is a better coach and a better instructor, uh, there's no secret that that came with. Um, the Right around the time where I met guys like Rick Strickland over at the Pirates and I met Justin Stone with, with a lead out of Chicago and started meeting a lot of guys that were really good. Uh, our high school coach, I started coaching his son, and I, I decided to, instead of running my mouth, which I was really good at, I decided to shut up and listen and watch and learn a guy that was much better at it than me that I was going to have the opportunity. You know, Justin and Rick, you know, I, I could talk to him and I could see him every now and again, but this guy was going to be around a lot. So I chose to watch and learn, and I realized how bad I was, to be quite frank. So um, I realized real quick that not everything, not every kid has to stand the same way. Or, and, and I think we always knew that because batting stances are different and all that, but not every kid necessarily moves the same way. Now, I believe that there are some core things within a swing that will allow you to be somewhat successful, but... Not every kid swings the bat even 
you know, with the same functional movement as everybody else. Now, I think some of the things are the same, and they all try to get to this position at contact. But, man, it's there are so many variables that are different. And I think the more what, what this really comes down to is I, I just I think we have to get away from this this robot mentality, um, you know, and the age appropriateness of what you teach them. Now, I've said on here a hundred times over that there is a part of me that does believe that we, to some degree, it, it, like I think it's on both ends of the spectrum, and, and you'll you'll see where I'm going when I finish with the statement. So I do think there's like too much for really young kids, and then I think there's not enough for really young kids. I think there's a happy medium there that you really got to find. And what what prompted me to think that was I saw a video today on Twitter, and it was a it was a training company, you know. And they were explaining this drill they did with these seven-year-old kids. And what I thought was funny was I understood what they were getting at. They were explaining they were, they were, they were kind of patting themselves on the back because they come up with this idea to demonstrate the drill so that the kids could see it better. But right there in the video are a bunch of seven-year-old kids that can't pay attention. Now, is it a seven-year-old kid's fault because he can't? focus for more than 30 seconds on what an instructor has to say isn't that normal <laughs> uh i it, it, no, and i don't mean that in a bad way because i did it right and i look back on it and i think gee many christmas i'm a grown man and i have a hard time focusing i can't even imagine being seven and looking at some guy holding the bat trying to give me some dissertation about hip rotation and balance and and resistance with the upper body while the lower body turns and getting my foot down and, and driving off the backside. I, I mean, my, then my launch angle, for God's sakes. It's just, you know, it brings me back full circle to, I, you know, I think we have to let people be athletic. And if we can help them get athletic, I mean, wouldn't that make a big difference um, in the ability for them to learn as it, as it, as they get older and they get bigger and they get stronger and smarter, more mature, more able to handle information, more able to decipher information. I, I, the more I do this, I mean, really, the more I do this, the more I believe in my heart that while practice and, and all that, yeah, we're practicing baseball, so we're teaching baseball-specific moves and things like that. But if you really want to do kids a service, you got to make sure that it's athletic as well. Everything you do should be athletic. Now, I understand breaking down drills so that they can do them and slowing it down and doing all this kind of stuff, and I get all that. No, no issue, right? But I, I mean, you know, I've heard guys, and I and I understand what they say, and then I see people just lose their mind over it, and it's always guys that are. Um, that are the best in what they do. And they always say, you know, um, you know, the, I'm not going to say any names, but I'll see a tweet or a post on Facebook from a guy that's a really good hitting instructor and he'll have a son or a daughter and they're really young and they'll always post it and they'll do something. And then people will start sending them messages going, so what are you going to work with them first? And you know what their reply always is? I'm going to teach them just to swing this shit out of it. I just want them to grab the bat, and I just want them to swing it athletically as hard as they can. And then same thing with throwing. I just want them to pick it up, and I just want them to throw it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and break them down and do the – I mean, it's it, it's all about just moving and, and wanting to do it, intent and trying to do it. So I think when we robot these kids up, and that's, on, that's kind of the discussion for today is the examples of how it just – I don't understand how if it doesn't uh, – we'll, we'll come to that. So just that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we get to it, I want to remind you to check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. Subscribe to the show there. Uh, do your shopping at Amazon. I know we have people doing that, and obviously with baseball equipment and things like that, I know people are doing it, but uh, some people are doing all their shopping there, and we appreciate it. That's Amazon uh, banner, uh, and that helps Brian Crock and Andrew Allen, our producers. It means a lot to us. Something you guys do do on the website for sure at youthbaseballtalk.com is binge listen to old episodes. And, um, you know, we've done so many now that, and we've had so many great guests that you can kind of go back and find a title or find a guest that might apply to something you're dealing with. So we appreciate it greatly. But subscribing to the show there is the easiest thing to do, and it's also the most helpful for us. 
Social media, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is a big part of where we get our, our ideas for content. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball is our Twitter handle. And again, if you're involved in this great game, I'm going to follow you back. I want to know what you're thinking. Facebook as well, simply type in Youth Baseball Talk. Find our Facebook page. Once you do, I'm going to ask you to like the, and follow the page, but then click invite your friends and anybody that's involved in this great game. If you would invite them to like the page, I would enjoy that as well. Uh, if you see our pinned post, like it, comment on it, and share it, and that would mean a lot to us as well as we try to make our posts as relevant as possible. You could also find us as a part of lineupmedia.fm. Not only are they a growing podcast company, but they're also home now to Yo Radio, the, the great new streaming platform. So many great things happening with that app. You can download it on your mobile device. It's free. Uh, once you've done so, I think you're going to enjoy the new version of it. It's real sleek. It's real handy. It's everything you would expect it to be and more. And if you had a minute and could leave those guys a nice review, they've done so much work on it, I know they'd appreciate it. Uh, before we get to talking about the rest of today's topic, I always uh, throw one out there. And um, it's funny, when I sent this out, Justin Stone, I had sent it out. Um, <laughs> he had said, uh, interesting that you're going to talk about this on today's show because I actually just filmed a, uh, a quick hit for your show next week about this very topic. So I said, well, I guess we'll just do a two-parter. So um, we're going to hear from Justin right now with EliteBaseball.tv on what he wants to talk about this week. But know that this topic we're going to talk about for two weeks as I'm anxious to see what he sends me next week, and I'll try to piggyback off of that. But really, the conversation this week is really more about, you know, what are we teaching our kids and the why? And, you know, is it, it, it – it's not like a bad coach, like bad coach, bad coach, like you're smacking them on the nose going, don't do this, don't do this. Number one, I mean, we should respect anybody that wants to take on the game, and they're just trying to do the best they can. But I think we know who I'm talking about here, that guy that – guy, and again, I'm looking in the mirror at me. That guy, I was that guy. I like. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna line up. And we're gonna put one. You know, pick your foot up and put it down and rotate. And I mean, you know, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So, um, but let's hear what Justin Stone has for us. Elite at uh, at Elite Baseball at Elite underscore Baseball is their Twitter handle, and of course, EliteBaseball.tv is their wonderful product that I would suggest that you get. And it's uh, ninety nine dollars a year, and it'll be the best ninety nine dollars you ever spent to have access to all the videos, all the commentary, all the teaching techniques the kids' corner, everything Justin's got going. So let's see what he has for us this week. Take it away, Justin. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv. You guys are going to thank me for this one. I'm going to give you a very quick and a very inexpensive way that you can get better at hitting this offseason. 50 cents. 50 cents is what a PVC pipe costs for me at Home Depot. And better, better yet, it was 10 feet long. I cut it in two, and now I've got two of them for 50 cents. But how does a PVC pipe help you in terms of your hitting? Well, I'll tell you what. This is something I've been doing so far this offseason with my big league guys, as well as patterning for eight-year-olds. Now, the reason I'm doing it with the big league players is they're doing their end-of-the-season assessments. Their bodies are wrecked. So I'm trying to find a way that they can get better at motor patterning without putting an actual bat in their hands. And you've heard me say this many times before, that everything we do in baseball, we assume the correction is made with ball on bat striking. And yeah, we get to that down the road. That part is very important, that collision that we, we make. But if the body, which doesn't know whether it's swinging a bat or a six ounce PVC pipe, it does remember the way the body moves. So if I can create a body movement pattern and do it in a very efficient way, a very time limiting way, and not wreck the body as I do it, this is going to be something that's very beneficial to your players. And a couple of the drills that I do with this is I use the pull for stability in the ground to start create sequencing. The first one, and I do in sets of five, is I'm simply stepping away and feeling strong in the ground without the pull moving. So that tightens up my core. So that allows for faster energy transfer and better sequencing. We'll make it so I'm still holding into the ground and I step and I begin my lower body turn against a stationary upper body. Young players very rarely have scapular strength in order to create a proper upper body load. So if I can add stability by adding the pull that I feel like is dug into the ground, it's 10 feet in the ground, it's not gonna move, hold on to it. And then they can start to turn their lower body against their upper body. Now we can create sequencing and torque and they have a correct feel on how to do it. We go further down the line, but I end up doing this with check swings as well. As we start the body turning, and feel the bat staying connected to the body. 
If I have players like many of us do, that hands begin to lead the swing, oftentimes this bat's gonna get out away from me. They're gonna feel that they can't stop it because the length of it is gonna cause them to cast it and it's gonna take off without them. So if I can keep this tight to the body and let my body begin to turn in different variations of a check swing, you can see a proper sequence built in. And that's why I look at check swings a lot amongst professional players when I'm doing analysis. Do their hands come in front of them and cross their face, or do they stay attached to the shoulders the body's making its turn? And that's what we want. So PVC pipe is a great way to start to get motor patterning done with your athletes that will carry over to when they swing a baseball bat and try to manipulate a ball. If you want to see the entire progression, we just filmed it on EliteBaseball.tv, a 10-step progression that you can do with this 50-cent piece of equipment. And you'll thank me later for that one. This one's cheap to put underneath the Christmas tree this year. Until next time, it's Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff as always from my man, Justin Stone. And again, um, I appreciate everything he does for us, and it means a lot to me. So uh, I know you guys love him as well. So. That's Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, and again, his wonderful product, EliteBaseball.tv, would be a uh, would be a welcomed addition to what you know you guys have going uh, with your curriculum, with your training, with understanding the game of baseball. Well, so where I'm kind of going with this is, so if you were going to if you were going to start working with kids, that, let's say they're young, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything really wrong with the athletic movements within a swing. But I myself have gotten so many kids come to me that have been so overcoached in hitting that everything is so robotic. And I think that's like, so where I'm going with this, I think you almost need to work backwards. And again, this is just an opinion. Like, definitely go out and research this and listen to somebody smarter than me or, you know, check it out and see if I'm crazy. But I, the way I'm finding this is I, I almost want to work backwards. You know, I almost want them to feel how their body moves and let them cut loose a little bit and let them understand the why they they do some things based off things their body does it's not you know i promise you that most like take for instance i'll take for instance my son and the number one problem with his swing if you break it down if you break it all the way down and justin's done it and other guys that work with him have done it and i can see you know and i'm smart enough if if you look for it you can see it because that's all you'll watch right so the number one problem that he has is he loves to cast his hands out a little early and loose his his barrel. You know he doesn't keep it really tight to the shoulder and rotate. He'll he does you know it's close. Now it's not perfect. Now he can get away with it sometimes, but it it doesn't lend itself to what I would call best possible ways to have more success. Now again, can he hit like that? Sure he can. Of course he can. You know can he be the best hitter he can be hitting like that? I don't know the answer to that question. I would say, you know, there's a, you know, there are, everybody has flaws within their swing and they try to get better at them, right? But let's be realistic about this for a second. He doesn't consciously do it. Like, he didn't at a young age, nobody told him, take your hands and as you start your swing, cast them out and bring them around. And nobody's told him that. It's just something that he felt and that he did. Now, if you want to work at stuff like that, right, and you want to try to, uh, teach drills and do things to stop kids from doing things like that well that makes a lot of sense right uh, that now see now you're on to something now you're now you're trying to help somebody not do something functionally wrong within their swing but I, i'm not quite sure that robotic type movements is how you fix that i think there has to be a happy medium and if i'm going to try to work with a kid and i want him to you know you have to, like i said you have to work backwards right so for me, I'm going to go ahead and have them just cut loose. I'm going to have them swing the bat. I'm going to have them, you know, we're going to talk about why, you know, we feel this. And so when you swing, you know, what are you, what are you feeling? And what's starting your swing? And when do you think, you know, that's another question. When do you start your swing versus when you think you start your swing? Um, there are so, so many, okay, so, so many drills and things like that that you can do to acquire feel and understand what you're doing now I look at him and he's older and as the older he's gotten the more he is able to take instruction the more he is able to apply that instruction he's at a point now where it's up to him to be able to apply it in his game versus just in a cage 
I, I, I like, you know, I, I call those, and I'm not, I didn't make this up, so I'm not special, but, um, you know, cage warriors is a great term, right? <clears throat> we hear that all the time. So, you know, and he and I've had this conversation about, you know, the ability to, um, the ability to understand that, yeah, you can do it here, but if you can't apply it in a, let's let, I call it, I like to describe it as a, a an uncontrolled setting. You know, a controlled setting is, you know, an, an ultra controlled setting is sitting off a tee. I mean, it's the ball's not moving. It's on a tee. You can set your, you can set yourself however you want to set, right? Uh, a controlled setting would be front toss, you know, BP, you know, front toss much more controlled than BP. I mean, guys that throw great BP, I get it, but ball's moving over the hand, coming out, you know, it's not straight. But then you have a competitive situation where somebody's actually trying to get you out so they're not throwing the ball, you know, technically down the middle. So as I look at all this kind of stuff, I, I think to myself, you know, how do we how do we figure that out? Like, what's the best way to make corrections? Well, drills are. Drills help you with flaws within your swing. I'm not so sure that robotic drills to teach somebody how to swing a bat, I, I don't know how great an idea that is, if that makes sense. I'm not quite sure that you can robot up a kid. I, like, I think it'd be harder to help a kid with a flaw in his swing versus to I, it's been my experience that when you get a kid that swings like a robot, man, it's really hard to get them to understand that, hey, I, you actually need to move your body a little bit here. So that's kind of where I'm going with this. So, you know, really, at the end of the day, the topic is almost, you know, are, you know, are we are we overcoaching to some degree? And I, I think we all – listen, I think it would be hard to look in a mirror, no matter how good a coach you are, and say, I've never done that, Jim. I don't, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Um, I would be hard-pressed to believe that from anybody. But um, but if you go through the thread today at uh, at Elite underscore um, Baseball with that, that I had with Justin there, um, at Elite underscore Baseball, if you find that one, and, and it starts out just so that you can find it. It's a picture of Bryce Harper, and it says, is this position good? And and this is where when I read it, it, it kind of started. It, you know, good of course is a relative term. But then he says, but for the majority of hitters, this type of hip and shoulder separation would be disconnection and slack. So, you know, obviously, um, the you know you would think, man, I, you know, Bryce Harper's pretty good, right? Um, not a lot of people can do what Bryce Harper does. That's that's always something we need to remember when it comes to emulating pro players. But I also understand the 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 learning process of a kid watching pro players and trying to emulate. There's nothing wrong with that. Why wouldn't you? But it is interesting how the very next tweet goes to an image of of Ken Griffey Jr. And you know, again, he as he points out, I think for the longest time people thought, well, this is the gold standard. I mean, this is how you swing a baseball bat if you want to emulate a swing. Um, I, I, I'm sitting here going, well, again, hip and shoulder separation, right? It's got to be better, right? Well, then he brings up Kyle Schwarber, who's a complete opposite. So I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm confused by the, the, the way we are so, so casually look at somebody and say, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Now, do I believe that there are some things that are just absolutely like, okay, you can't do – yeah, I understand that part. But, man, I'm talking about when we get into the absolute mechanics of the swing. <laughs> I mean, not, I'm not talking – it's just – I think you guys know what I'm saying here. The bottom line is this. We can't robot these kids up so much. Almost to the point of – I mean, number one, what, what – <laughs> Have you ever watched a kid pick up a bat or a ball? They don't start making robotic. I mean, they pick that thing up and they they walk around. They want to throw it or they they swing it wildly or they do whatever, right? It's just I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, this is an interesting topic, and I know that this one is going to bring back some interesting responses because I I I, mean, I would be ignorant not to think that there aren't people out there that are going to say, but Jim, I, why would you teach them the wrong way from the beginning? And it's like, well, I don't know necessarily that that, that it is a wrong way. Uh, number one, I think you have to talk about who you're teaching. I'm, I mean, my conversation starts out, I'm talking about young kids here, right? 
Like, why would you want to turn them into robots is kind of my theory because all we see are guys that are athletic play. Why would you try to make a kid less athletic is kind of my point. I describe a swing as controlled violence. You know, that's, you know, I build up of energy, you know, that's how I try to describe it to people so that they understand, you know, what I'm getting at. But it's an interesting thing. Um, and, and for me, as I learn and watch more, that's what I've noticed. I mean, if, if I watch the greats do this, Justin Stone, Rick Strickland, to name two guys that I, you know, but Kevin Wilson, um, who, who I like, and Bob Tewksbury, and, you know, all these guys that are the best at what they do. If you watch these swings, I mean, they're, they're, they're athletic works of art. They're not robotic, you know. Um, I just, you know, for me, I, I look at it, and and all you have to do, guys, to 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 see what I'm saying is, is think about your practice that you just had, or think about if you're an instructor, think about all the kids that come to you. I mean, how different are they? They're all different, you know. I, I there's no way. I mean, think about. If you, and again, we can argue about it, which is stupid. There's no reason to argue about it. But if you are a guy that when you teach kids to hit and every kid looks the same, every movement, every mannerism, every stance, every finish, everything is the exact same. You have to ask yourself, if that's the right way to do it, why at the higher, why at any level doesn't every guy do that? I mean, that's not a tough question. I mean, if that was right, then how come when you watch a major league game or a, col- a top or a college game, how come when you don't watch really any game, does every kid not swing the exact same? There's a reason for it. Number one, you know what the main reason is? Even if that was true, even if, look, I have found the perfect way to swing a baseball bat, this is it. Well, number one, the reason it's, it's unrealistic is not every kid can do the same thing this kid can do. Right now, most professional players are athletic and strong enough that they can probably do a lot of different things with a baseball bat if you taught them to do it that way. But one, there's obvious comfort issues. There's obvious mental issues with doing it. Otherwise, they do it. You don't think every major league player would like to swing the bat like Ken Griffey Jr. did? I mean, every kid in America wanted to. So there's there's an idea. Every kid in America wanted to swing the bat like Ken Griffey Jr. But well, how come every time you, when you showed up at a at a ball diamond, how come every kid could, didn't swing it like Ken Griffey Jr.? Well, because they can't. You can try, you can emulate, you can do some things, but they can't. Now, well, Jim, you should have seen this one kid. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to be willing to coach what you have, and try to help them get out of their swing what they can do. And then along the way, when you find flaws in a swing, you try to help them correct them. I get that. But they're going to wind up having owning their own swing. Right? Now, what I don't, and I don't mean owning their own swing by saying, well, he owns his own swing. Watch how he likes to stiffen out his, you know, and, and look, how un- look how awkward he is. Look how, that's not what I mean, and I think you guys are smart enough to know that. I mean, I'm truly getting at this from a position of, Within reason, within the within the basic sequential part of the swing, but not every kid gets somewhere. I've said all the time. I mean, you look at some of these pros, some of the things they do, they're band-aids for things that they struggle with. Some guys have their hands higher, some guys like to start here, some guys start open, some guys there's a variety of reasons why guys do it. You very rarely see a pro guy have the exact same swing as another guy. There's feel, there's athleticism, there's body movements, there's things, there's limitations, there's flexibility, there's you know, the strength. The, I can't even I can't even start. I can't even finish the the thought of of the difference between one guy to another even at the highest of levels. So to so you know, fast forward it, right? Fast forward it to y- your own personal situation. So you're talking about the best athletes, the best players in the world. And yet you're going to try to do it with a, ten, a seven-year-old kid or a ten-year-old kid. You know, it's I, I, anyway. So I, I just—that's kind of my thoughts for today. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts because here's the other thing. Let me let me before I go. Let me say this. 
let, let me say this, and this is, I, I, I mean, I also understand that it's challenging, right? I also understand that it's really challenging because, you know, you may sit there like me and say, okay, Jim, I hear you, but man, I got to tell you, I don't, I, I'm not, um, I, I'm not, um, I'm not Justin Stone. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough to, to know how in the heck I'm supposed to do this and this and this, man. I watch some videos and I'm trying to do this one thing because that's all I do. I mean, yeah, it's hard. It really is. It really is. I mean, it's just part of the whole thing of, again, it's going to sound like a sales pitch, but that's why things like EliteBaseball.tv are so important to training. You know, for me, like I said, I for me, Rick Strickland, right? I, I talk about him all the time. I had the opportunity to be around him a lot. I don't see him much anymore. But when I was around him all the time, I, I mean, I learned a lot from him. So I, I don't really feel sorry for anybody that says, well, you know, this is what I have. Well, you can, listen, we live in a world today, <laughs> it's right at your fingertips. If you really care and you really want to do this. Now, you know, you may be that guy. I got to tell you what, Jimbo, look, man, I signed up to coach the 7U uh, rec team. And, dude, I'm just going to put a bat in their hand. I'm going to do the best I can. And it, Okay. Yeah. I got you. You know, um, <laughs> I got you. So it, it's, it's you know, once again, we're getting down to, um, once again, we're getting down to, you know, what do you do? What's your plan with this? And if your plan is to truly teach, you're going to have to take some time. You're going to have to do it. I don't know any other way to do it. There is no easy way here, right? There is no easy way out of this thing. So it's my thoughts. Um, want to hear yours as well. Um, you know, maybe some best practices, some things you try to do. Uh, I love the thoughts from the guys when they have kids and they say, look, I'm going to teach. I'm going to just have him swing the crap out of it and I'm going to have him throw the crap out of it. You know, it's funny. Darren Hendrickson said something to me one time when we were coaching the kids and they were 10 years old. And I think all the parents, and Darren Hendrickson, um, he's been on the show numerous times. He's a friend of mine. I actually grew up with him. We're the exact same age. And when I say exact, I mean exact. Our mothers were in the same hospital room together when they had us. So we were born on the same day, almost the exact same time. So I've, I've really known him my whole life, literally. Um, but I'm fortunate to know him because he's a great baseball coach. And he's worked his way up the ranks. He's now Division One head coach at St. Louis University. And he's taken a program that's always been decent, but he's made him a, a quality known program at the D one level and has done some great things over there. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's done, he's coached other, other places and done things, you know, he throws BP for the Cardinals. So he has access to, to great coaches and players to bounce things off of. So he's got this great outlook, right? And everybody knows who he is and they know him. He was a pitcher and he was a competitive guy and, so everybody knows him to be that guy, right? So it's funny. I think about it all the time when his son was younger than ours um, by a year, but he was a good player, and he was pretty good-sized kid too. Well, he came and played for us, I believe, when we were 10. And it might have been 11. Yeah, it was 11. And he had played with us when he was young, and then he went and did something else, and then his dad brought him back to us for a variety of reasons. You know, one, when he's traveling um, with his own team, it's hard for him. So it was like, listen, I'm a, you know, you and like, he liked who, we, who the new coaches were and the fact that we could help get, you know, me and a, another guy that was a good baseball guy were going to start kind of running the team. Plus, we could help with getting his son there when he was out of town and they had a daughter, you know, you know how that is on the wife, right? So for a variety of reasons, he comes back and he says, you know, I, and, and we had told him, you know, if you come back, and, and he was very respectful. We said, listen, we'd like you to be as, as involved as you can be and want to be. And he liked that because I think a lot of guys that are quality coaches don't want to step on toes. Like, okay, look, I'm the big D1 coach, so when I'm here, step aside. We were like, no, actually, we want you to. So um, fast forward, and we're, we're inside in January, right? Or we're inside in December. We started in December because we were going to do some stuff with him that he wanted to do just you know, just, or no, I take that back. It was January. So it's January. Um, we, uh, we were going to do some stuff, but he was changing from what we had done in the past to be real honest. And I always think about this. Um, we were, he was doing some stuff to make the kids a little more athletic. 
in the way they, they moved and the way they did things. So the parents knew who he was, and they really thought that because of him and pitching such a big deal, they thought that was going to be our benefit, right? So we get about, I mean, we get, you know, three weeks into this thing, and I get some parents come to me and go, hey. I said, what? And they go, we like, we love the practices. We love all the things that, that Darren's bringing to this, but I thought he was a pitching guy. And I said, well, he is. They said, you know, it's been three weeks, and we really haven't done anything pitching-wise. I said, well, we've been doing some throwing and stuff like that, arm strengthening and things like that. And they go, yeah, but, I mean, I thought he was going to teach him how to pitch. And and I I said, well, you know, and, and at this time I'm still learning, right, and, and getting better at, at, at off-season training and things like this. This is my first go-around. This is, you know, a while ago, obviously. And so I go to Darren and I say, hey, um, I got a question for you. And I asked him a question. He kind of looked at me and said, that's an odd question. And I said, well, some parents are kind of curious that, you know, they were really hoping that, I mean, obviously they were, you know, what they were really hoping is that your kid, that with you here, you were really going to teach their kids some stuff about pitching. And he goes, well, I, I, I kind of, I plan to, but let me, let me lay this out for you. So Jimbo, I think you told us our first tournament's first weekend in April, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, okay, so back that out six weeks. I said, okay. He goes, so you got March and February. So he goes, so I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to start throwing bullpens the second weekend in February because you need six. You shouldn't be throwing bullpens. Six weeks is what it takes. And I'm going to give you a plan, and we're going to do this stuff because we're going to make sure the kids are healthy, number one. We're going to throw flat ground, then we're going to move on to bullpens, and we're going to work on location, and here's how you do that. You don't throw it on. You know, he's got all this stuff laid out, right? So I take this back to the parents. And, of course, some of them disagreed and said, oh, I think we should be throwing bullpens now. I mean, we want to – and he's like, look, I'm telling you, the best players in the world do this, and they're the best athletes in the world and the most physically developed. Your kids are not physically developed. They do not need to be throwing off a mound in January, I promise you. Okay, so we had that conversation. Well, then once it started, they watched their kids throwing off a bullpen, and they're watching him, and he's, he's talking to him, and he's doing stuff, but he's not really changing a lot, right? So then he had to have a conversation with him like, look, he's 10. He's going to throw like he throws. He throw like – you're 10 years old, you're throwing a ball. Now I'm trying to teach him, like, this is what we want to do, and this is, but I can't tie a rope on him, and I can't pull his arm for him. I can't do this. So we're going to figure it out over time, but it's not like, see, I think everybody thinks there's this magical fix. And some of these things are just athletic movements that will allow you to get in better positions. And I just think parents really struggle with that. And it's always been on my mind. And that's why when I thought about today, that's kind of where it came from. So um, again, I can't. I, I just can't. Uh, I, I just can't say enough about them and, and what they do. So, um, great stuff as always. Um, let's look at uh, the rope trainer today. Take take that for example. That is a that is a device made specifically so that you can replicate the motion of actually throwing a baseball, so that you can do a variety of things for your body. It's not designed to make you robotic. It's not. It's desi- It's actually designed so that you can actually replicate the motion versus the towel drill where you have to hold it differently than a ball. They have went all the way with this thing, right? And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like here's another thing that gives us that opportunity. So, again, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, this is a this is another device developed around replicating actual movements that you make. So, again, it's the RopeTrainer.com. Um, check it out. My man, Kurt McNabb, brings you the rope trainer each week. You know, I'm going to ask you to check it out. I think it's worth your time. It's worth your effort. Kurt McNabb with Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Check them out as well. He's great. I know everybody loves him on the show. Let's hear what he has for us. Thanks, Jim. What's up, Dirtbags? Kurt McNabb here, Dirtbag Baseball Nation. It's great to be back with you again this week on the uh, Rope Report, brought to you by the guys at uh, the Rope Trainer and, and myself, uh, Sorry I had to miss last week. We just got uh, busy here at uh, The Nation and, and just tied up. So I apologize about that. But it's great being back this week and uh, ready to roll. Um, obviously, tonight is the opening night for the World Series. And, uh, I mean, hey, let, let's everybody knows. Two historic teams, iconic teams, and uh, let's get ready to roll. You got Kershaw Sale. Not, not, not much more to say about that. Um, as far as the players go. But uh, one thing I would like to talk about is is the coaches that are in there tonight. Uh, you know, you got your Dave Roberts and, and your uh, Cora. And, and, you know, two outgoing guys, two outspoken guys. 
Um, two guys that players really, really enjoy playing for, and you can see the energy they bring and, and, and the smile and the laughter. Um, you know, and, 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 and people always say, what, what's, what's in a manager? What's in a coach? How do they help? What's the value of them? Um, I believe there really is a true value and stuff like that. We talk about data and collection, and that's the new thing and the up thing and the in thing and everything else. But, but you know, the one thing data can't collect is the emotional attachment that coaches can bring, teammates can bring, players can bring, and parents can bring. And and that's tough, but it is unbelievably important. And we know it, but we just are still afraid to dive into it and commit to it and, and get it. And we have to. If we're going to move forward, we have to get that and we have to understand that. Now, make no mistake about it. I mean, you got Joe Maddens. We, you've got managers all over the map that, that are very much like a Roberts and a Cora. Um, so it's not just them getting there, but but... If they're doing it at the major league level, we need to be paying attention and looking at it at the collegiate level, looking at it at the amateur level and paying attention. So, you know, we call it, uh, you know, I, I'm going to call it dirtbag coaching for today. And, and what I mean by that is we're going to get after it and we're going to get dirty. We're going to be open-minded, not closed-minded. We're going to be always willing to learn. And that's what great coaches have do and you need to be aware of that. Jim talked about it a couple of weeks back on Youth Baseball Talk about, you know, parents stand back, get out of the way and let your kid, let your son, let your daughter, let them evolve and let them become a person. And I want to build off of that because it's not just the parents, it's it's coaches as well, which are ultimately are parents obviously. But Coaches, you have that power as well, and you need to respect it, and by God, you need to appreciate it. These are things, and I've said it here before in the Rope Report and and, in clinics that I do and and everything else, and I say it routinely, and I mean it, and, and you know it when you hear it. We get one chance as parents. We get one chance as coaches, and by God, don't screw it up. Don't be so ignorant so close-minded, so uneducated that you can't be willing to listen and learn or have the opportunity to learn or make an educated decision after hearing from people that you may go into a thing like a clinic or a session or whatever it is. And you may not like that person, but you better be aware that if I don't like that person based on somebody else's information to me or or a closed-minded opinion, I'm bad and I'm wrong. I better be open-minded so I can listen and hear and converse and, and find out whether there's value in that person, whether they, hey, you know what? I might have been wrong. I better be willing to admit that. I might be wrong about that person. So I've learned and I've gotten better today. Because that's your job. Make no mistake about it. That's your job as a coach. As coaches on the general part of it, on the physical part of it, hey, we all steal each other's ideas. That's the great thing about it. But again, there's tremendous amount of people that are closed-minded in that, in that sense as well. They want to oh, keep it secretive, keep it secretive. Come on, let's get serious. You can go anywhere on the internet nowadays and find out anything. But what you can't find out is there's a lot of salesmen, a lot of marketers that preach in a good story, but this is the biggest question you need to ask as a coach or a parent. Why? Ask why all the time. I tell coaches when I'm doing clinics, I tell parents when I'm doing clinics all the time. And most importantly, I tell players when we're doing training with them, ask that question why. And I need to be man enough as your trainer, as your mentor, as your coach, or your manager to be able to sit there and say, give you an answer, a valuable answer that isn't because I'm the coach and I said so. Because those are red flags. When you hear terms and buzz phrases like that, that's just the way it is and, and that's it. No, those are red flags. Get out of Dodge. Get away from that person. And don't be that person that does it. Because now you're messing with somebody's mind and that's not cool. That's not getting dirty. That's not dirtbag coaching. That's ignorant, closed-minded, and uneducated coaching. And you don't deserve to be out there. So be better. Do better. 
I'm going to give you an example. Like you said, I, I get contacted all the time and it's great. You know it. All of you know that that's a big part of this job that I love. I live for it. I love it. So I had a guy, you know, Clifton. I'm just going to, you know, I won't leave his last name, but Clifton from Hawaii reached out to me last week. And we spent Saturday night from 10 to 11.20, my time, p.m., and it was great. It was awesome. I, we did a video chat, and we were talking about how we do a layout and, and how we do our initial stages. And he was asking me about pitching. We never even got to the physical component of it. He was just open-minded enough to reach out and want to become a better coach. And he's just one example of thousands that reach out to us and stuff like that. But it was a great conversation. It was, it was unbelievable. So there's two people that didn't know. And it's not just a value to Clifton. It's always a value to myself as well because that's part of what I'm saying. I need to hold myself accountable and everybody else, Nolan and Braden here at Dirtbag Sports Na- uh, Baseball Nation as well. And so when I walk away from this, it's dual-sided. I hope I provide education and knowledge, but I always receive it. It values and validates that we're doing the right thing here and we're preaching it. Now, it's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to like it, but it is the right thing. And it's about holding people accountable and being better. Sharing knowledge, passing the passion and the love of this game forward and on to other people. And that's what we're looking to do. All right? You know it. We know it. So that's my message for this week. For God's sakes, coaches and parents, remember, you get one chance at this. Don't screw it up. Because, man, there's a lot of life, hopefully, for every one of us long after baseball. And maybe it will be through baseball. But, boy, you mess it up on a kid, you mess it up bad. And that's not cool. It's not right. It's not fair. So tuck your chest in. Be open-minded. Be friendly. Be courteous. Be fun and energetic. And create a culture that, that wants kids to be confident and self-assured in what they're doing and not feeling like they're going to get ridiculed and not not and include this with your co-coaches and your organizations. Clifton and I talked about this when we were talking about what his got background is in Hawaii. It's no different than anywhere else. He's got some great coaches and he's got some ignorant coaches. That's the way it is everywhere. But don't shy away from those guys. Tell them they're not cool. Make them be better. And if they don't want to, at least you've got it out there. So you can validate why you're better and why you're in this for the real reason. All right? Again, just like Clifton, if you have questions, you have concerns, you contact me. You contact me. You email me at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. I will get back to you. You can follow us at Dirtbag Baseball Nation on Instagram and Facebook. That's how Clifton reached out to me through uh, Messenger or uh, on Twitter at Dirtbag Nation and the number one. That's at Dirtbag Nation and the number one. You can contact me. You know it. All day, every day. This is what we do. All right? Let's make this game better. Let's make you better. Let's make us better every day. And how are we going to do that? You know it. You know it. Because it's time to get up, get after it, and get dirty. Really good stuff. And, of course, uh, like I said, I know everybody loves Kirk. I do. And I hope you guys uh, appreciate what he brings to the show as well. Um, last, uh, last thing for today, as I look at, uh, across the board is, uh, always, well, last, but never least is my friends at precision impact. I know you guys are enjoying Dirk Dombrowski and what he brings to the show each week. And I want to remind you, um, they've got you covered when it comes to hitting and fielding, uh, safety and space issues, prevent regular hitting practice. Sometimes, uh, don't forget slugs, squishies, and flex balls are great, uh, where baseballs would be unsafe to use, or if you just don't have that cage. Um, as we're talking about uh, athletic movements and things like that today and trying to learn how to throw, um, you know, don't wait until injuries happen before you worry about arm care. They've got you covered at precisionimpact.ca as well. Um, you know, they've got the tools you need if you want to throw like a champ, you know, stay injury-free. It'll all be delivered to your doorstep at a price that you can afford. Don't forget when you check out to use your youth baseball talk code in the discount area, and you guys will be ready to go. Again, that's precisionimpact.ca. Let's hear what Dirk has for us this week. Thanks, Jim, and thanks, Youth Baseball Talk. As always, my name is Dirk, and on today's Precision Impact Rundown segment, 
I want to discuss something that has bothered me for a pretty long time, but also is important for young athletes to know, as well as coaches and parents, in order for us to be more informed so that we can take better care of our bodies. And that's the difference between heat and cold when it comes to an acute or chronic injury. Now, I think before we dive into whether heat or cold is the key to success, I think we should really understand what acute and chronic problems are. Too many people just assume that everything is, we underplay a lot of injuries or we overplay them. It's really important to know before we put heat or cold on an injury that we understand what the injury is. So just to start things off, I want to discuss a little bit of the difference between an acute injury or acute soreness and chronic soreness and or chronic injury. So acute, think of acute as something that happens sudden, right? You're, you're pitching on the mound and you immediately feel your arm get hot or it's really sore, certainly more sore than it was before and it happens almost instantaneously. Um, how about you're rounding second base and you're running as fast as you can and you hit second base and you're changing direction towards third and you feel something really sharp in your hamstring, um, how about when you swing really aggressively at the plate, maybe you're a batting practice or you're in a game and you feel something tweak or really get tight in your lower back, or maybe it's your hip flexor, or maybe it's your knee. Something spontaneous and sudden we would consider more an acute injury. Chronic, on the other hand, think of it more of long-term, hence chronic, chronological. Think of it as an extended period of time where this injury is building and building and building or this soreness is repeated, repeated, and repeated. Like throwing, starting pitchers suffer from chronic injuries or chronic soreness all the time. Um, players or position players that, that just never get a break, they're constantly playing, they, they suffer from a lot of chronic injuries. Um, think of this as an extended injury or something you've had that has lingered around for an extended period of time. Now, once you can figure out a little bit more about what it is going on with your body, then you can start giving yourself some an idea of what it is you want to do to it. So think of an acute injury. And let's just say, for instance, that you something's happened to your arm more towards your elbow, maybe UCL. And there is some swelling, right? It's really tight when you bend your arm. It doesn't feel like you have the same range of motion. It feels really tight. It's uncomfortable. That likely is an acute injury and immediately might require some form of ice simply because there's unnatural swelling. We want to try to limit this swelling by applying cold. Now, if this is something a little bit more chronicle so a little bit more like a chronic injury something where you're you're sore than normal um or maybe it is like a, a, a little bit of a tweak but it really it, it happens quite a bit it's the same spot we want to increase blood flow we don't want to restrict blood flow because that's what happens when you apply uh, cold we want to apply heat and or raise the core temperature of your body to increase blood flow now when we increase blood flow especially to that specific area you're going to notice that um, what's happening is it's you're promoting healing process as well as clearing any debris that might be lingering around anywhere, whether it be scar tissue if it's been broken up. Now, there's also two types of heating. There's local and systemic. Local being applying a heating pad to a very specific or local area, right? You're applying a heating pad or a hot pack, something very specific um something a very specific source of heat to a specific area. Systemic, think of it as your entire system, right? You're raising your entire core temperature, um, whether it be through sprints, whether it be through running, whether it be through a hot bath, whether it be through a piping hot shower. Um, you're trying to almost simulate a fever in your whole body by raising your core temperature. So those are the two types of heat that could be applied for something more, a little bit more like chronic soreness, which is why you'll see a lot of players running after they throw because they, they know that this repetitive soreness they're getting in their arm is going to happen. So they're, what they're trying to do is trying to avoid it or reduce the chances of it getting worse. Um, people who take medication, that's something aside from heat and cold that we'll be talking about today. Medication, um, again, there's a time and a place, but ultimately it, it shouldn't be something that you abuse. It's something that you want to make sure that 
you're taking for the right reason. So maybe you have suffered an acute injury and you may, you know, you don't have time to go to the hospital right away or to see a doctor or get into some therapy or physical therapy or anything like that, but it's really bothering you. It's an inflamed knee. It's a really sore elbow. Taking medication in that sense, whether it be an ibuprofen or something similar along those lines to thin out your blood, to allow for more blood flow, um, is understandable, right? You you kind of have to do what you have to do to get by and so you can actually start addressing the problem. But what you don't want to do is abuse it, right? Make this a regular thing. Um, you know, it's not being proactive by taking an ibuprofen before each and every start or before every um, relief appearance. That's something you want to make sure you address. You don't want to have to rely on these external forces. Tiger bomb is something else that I wanted to chat about because everyone, I see it being put on all the time and, you know, it, it gives a sensation of heat. But Tiger bomb, in fact, is not hot at all. It actually causes a mild skin burn. Um, it's actually a mild chemical burn that, that elicits and, and kind of gives you the false sense of heat. So if, if, you're, if you're struggling with an injury, you don't want to heal a, an, an acute injury with a burn, a chemical burn kind of thing like that. So again, there might be a time and a place for like short-term use if after you've strained your back or maybe your shoulder or your neck or something like that and you are suffering from some relatively strong pain or discomfort and a little bit of Rub A535 or Tiger Balm applied to it might be soothing short term that's understandable but you definitely don't want to just lather it on before each and every game because it makes your arm feel loose it's actually just a mild chemical burn which isn't something we want to get into the habit of taking uh, of, of, of overusing now there's a lot of other therapies out there if you're ever suffering from an acute or chronological or chronic injury but something I've recently stumbled across is endermology, right? This is this is very incredible. It's not as popular up here in Canada. It's very rare and few and far between. But down in the States, it's a bit more popular. And, and what it does, it's basically a treatment that helps breaking up cartilage buildup and increases blood flow by up to 400%. Now, you know, if you've heard what I've just talked about and understood a little bit, blood flow is ultimately what we're trying to trying to um, achieve. So this treatment is non-invasive. It's much more like a massage, deep massage that breaks up uh, cartilage, built up cartilage and debris and promotes blood flow. I'm going to talk about this on another segment, but I did, did want to mention there are, are alternatives out there instead of just sucking it up or thinking that this is part of the game that you know having a, a chronic injury or chronic soreness week after week is just part of the game it's just not true you're going to see the players that are healthy and have strong arms and don't actually suffer from a lot of chronic soreness move on to the next level coaches are looking for healthy players especially players that take care of themselves and know what it is they need to do before a practice or a game or after a practice or a game which again which is why I'm so thrilled to be involved with precision impact because a lot of our tools a lot of our equipment promote a lot of blood flow they help get players warmed up dynamically to avoid an acute injury they help pitchers strengthen themselves so they're not dealing with chronic soreness and chronic pain time and time season after season if you haven't checked out our website, please do precisionimpact.ca. There's, you're going to find a lot of neat equipment on there that you know you might not recognize a lot of it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about it, please contact, contact us at support at precisionimpact.ca for any questions. I'll be happy to help you out with whatever I can. If you haven't already found us on YouTube, please go ahead and do so. Go to the search bar and just type in Precision Impact. Same with um, Facebook. Please do so there. Just type in Precision Impact. And if you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, follow us at precisionimpact.ca. We're always trying to put up new content. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns regarding our products, or maybe some segments you'd like us to do in the future, make sure you drop us a bit of a, a message, and, and I'll do my best to fit it in with our schedule as it is. You know, if, if you have any questions about today's segment in terms of heat or cold, or if you have anything that you'd like to add to what I've already talked about, make sure you let us know. It's always a pleasure hearing from our listeners. Thanks, Jim, and thanks, Youth Baseball Talk. Great stuff. Appreciate him uh, a lot. Um, again, my contributors, you guys love them. Uh, you feel like their content is valuable from what I can can gather from your feedback. So thank you to Dirk. Um, thank you to Kirk. And, of course, thank you to Justin Stone and or Travis or whoever does the Elite Baseball 
training each week for us. It means a lot to me to have that type of content on our show. I want to thank everybody one last time for joining us. And again, um, you can learn more about the Rope Trainer at theropetrainer.com, elatebaseball.tv, and of course, precisionimpact.ca. Um, youthbaseballtalk.com is our website. Subscribe, learn more there. Uh, find us on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. And of course, um, you know, Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook is a big push for us as well. Lineupmedia.fm is where we're located. And of course, uh, we're proud to be a part of Yo Radio. It's available in the App Store on your mobile device. Download it. I think you guys will love it. Uh, the new version's out. It means a lot to, to, to the group that's created it. And we're glad to be a part of it. That's Yo Radio. Download it on your mobile device today. For all of us here at Youth Baseball Talk, we'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.